Stella made a beat, so it's go time. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Core 4 Podcast, a podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside GBB Live, the 3ND Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading, whatever you need to do on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog under SB Nation. Find on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than my co-host, Big Nate Chester. Nate, what's up, dude? Well, Parker, I was having an amazing morning, and then something happened to darken it. You know what that was? Please tell me it was the diss track. Yeah, yeah, it really was. So for those of you who don't know, I'm the uh, youth pastor at Trinity Baptist Church in Cordova. And one of the girls in my youth ministry had been telling me for months now that she's like, hey, I'm going to make a diss track about you. And I'm like, hey, that's a really weird thing to tell someone, but okay. And uh, this morning she decided to release it on YouTube, and I believe it's at 150 views right now. And it is about the most dramatic takedown of myself that I think I have ever seen in my life. And uh, it, it kind of sounds me today to be honest with you you know I, i've roasted you a lot but the amount of effort that that woman put in to roast you i mean the beats the chorus the lyrics mm-hmm. the production yeah. as a whole that was next level stuff i gotta give my props to her that's some next level roasting <laughs> I don't think I've ever earned another person's disdain for them to go through that much effort to do something like that for me. But, uh, you know, uh, you cross new barriers every single day. You overachieve on expectations. And this is where I'm at. But, hey, on the bright side of it, I mean, you're doing your job as a youth pastor. Your students are comfortable with you. They, they like joking with you. And, you know, it could be worse. They could just not like you and think you're awkward. Yeah even though that both of those things may still be true. But yes, that does serve as a comfort to me. Absolutely. And so today, as we're recording, it is uh, about 6.19 here, Central Time. So this is before the Grizzlies-Lakers game. So you'll probably be listening to this the next morning on Wednesday morning. So odds are you won't hear much Laker talk here, to be honest. Um, But we are going to talk about what's going ahead. And that's... 2021. This is the first core four of 2021. I wrote a piece last week on grizzlybearblues.com over the Grizzlies year, basically, and how I think it's the most pivotal year and its rebuild. I broke down everything from internal development, the offseason possibilities in terms of uh, cap flexibility, draft picks, and free agency potentially, and just the different avenues I can go there. And I, I also talked about uh, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s looming extension before the 2021-2022 season. So, uh, Nate, first off, I do want to get your opinions. How, on a scale of like 1 to 10, how would you say 
2021 is for the Grizzlies as far as how crucial it is for their rebuild? Oh, it's about up there with the eight or nine. And if the Grizzlies don't make the playoffs during the 2021-2022 season, you're going to start to see a lot of comments from people saying, hey, what's going on? What went wrong along the way? Because you would hope, like, even if you don't add some hypo, uh, hypothetical third star, i.e. DeMar DeRozan in 2021 free agency, or you don't find an instantly impactful rookie like Jalen Green or Kate Cunningham, which we'll talk about here in a minute, um, even if that doesn't happen, you would hope with the internal development of Ja Morant, Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark, among others, that you will be good enough to be in the top eight in the West going into the 2022 playoffs. And... If that does not happen, if there isn't enough of a level of internal development among those three cornerstones of the franchise at this time, you're going to be wondering, okay, what is going on here? Is Jaron not the second star that we think he is next to John ja Morant? Is Brandon Clark, for better or for worse, a finished product already? Is John ja Morant, God forbid, being hampered by lower body injuries? We don't really know. But it's those questions that are going to need to be answered over the next year. And internal development, like you mentioned in your article, may be the most important aspect of the rebuild, if you still want to call it a rebuild, going into 2021. Because if those three guys continue to progress, especially Jaron Jackson Jr., we know that John Moran is a superstar. Brandon Clark has struggled a little bit to start the year, even though with his wonky shooting mechanics that look like they've been messed with, I expect him to round into the form that he had as a rookie. Jaron has not solidified himself as the second star that many people in Memphis seem to believe that he is. He's a phenomenal young player. He's a one, already one of the greatest shooting big men of all time. And you look at his skill set and his ability to create off the dribble at his size, and you see a guy that has unlimited potential. He could be literally anything, but in being able to become literally anything, he may not get much better than what he is right now. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if Jaron Jackson goes on to average 20 points and say five or six rebounds while being a phenomenal three-point shooter for his career. You and I have already solidified. That's fine. That's a very good uh, player in and of itself. Sure. Yeah, but he has the potential to be so much more. And I mentioned in my article from a month ago that the Grizzlies – as far as title aspirations in the future, as far as wanting to go deep into the playoffs in the West, they will only go as far as Jaron Jackson allows them to do. We know that John Moran is a superstar. He showed that in the first two games of the season before he got hurt. But if Jaron can become that, and he needs to at least demonstrate flashes that he's going to become that this year to give me a greater feel and comfort for not only the Grizzlies going forward, but them also potentially giving him the rookie scale max extension. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you know what? I'll, I'll go ahead and dive into this question and I'll, I'll also answer it first for myself is what do you think is more likely for the Memphis Grizzlies to do this year? Opt out of Justice Winslow's team option or to give Jaron Jackson Jr. a max extension? What's your position, Parker? My 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 position is probably uh, the max extension. I, I think that's uh, more likely, just because for one, Justice Winslow, that team option doesn't really harm them per se. Uh, just because I mean, there'd be one year left, thirteen million. 
if anything, that's just another collection of expiring contracts they have, as I highlighted in the piece. And you'll have Jonas Valanciunas at 15 million. You'll have Grayson Allen around four million. You'll have Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson both around eight or nine million. And then you have Justice Winslow at 13 million. Just the the flexibility that you have for moves is just unbelievable. And um, I mean, I'm not going to go into any details as far as which players and stuff they can target, but it does give them a decent amount of flexibility. But I mean, if it, if he's just how we've kind of discussed on here, if he's just not right and this is kind of just a, a failed project. They could opt out. But the thing with Jaron is an extension is if he comes out and he's doing what he did in the bubble, but instead of like three rebounds a game, it's like five rebounds a game. So like 25 and five and shooting 40% from three and just kind of looking like um, like the upper middle class version of Anthony Davis, then he's going to get a max contract. And sure. But also too – his recent lower body injuries could also prevent him from doing that, both from a production standpoint and from actually getting that contract. I really wish John Collins had gotten his extension, but I also think his off season and whatever he gets this off season will go a long way to tell you what Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to get. I could also yeah. foresee, I, I don't see him getting anything below 20 million annually though. Like that, like yeah. Miles Turner got four years, 80 million and I kind of categorize him as the same archetype as these hypothetical stretch fives that are supposed to be some of the best rim protectors in the league or could evolve into that. And they have all-star upside, but they haven't quite flashed it yet. He got around four years, $80 million, two or three off seasons ago. I could see that happening for Jaron, but does that, does that help you a little bit in making your call? Personally, me being my pessimistic self, I say realistic self, but I think Jaron, when he comes back this year, is going to be closer to what he was for most of his second season than what he was in the bubble. And let's not forget, he struggled in the scrimmages leading into the bubble. Then he happened to place a few really good games in the bubble. So I don't put that much stock into his performance in Orlando. But even if he comes back and is just a little bit better than what he was last year, let's say he averages 18 points and five rebounds as a third-year player, I think that would probably alone be enough to show that, hey, he's coming off some lower body injuries. If he cuts down on the fouling issues a little bit to go along with that, I think it's very easy for Kleiman, among others, to look at his progress and say look he's coming off some injuries he's made some progress into year three year four is when the real leap is going to happen and when that leap does happen then this rookie scale max will almost look like a bargain so i think that would be alone be enough for them to give him the rookie scale max um people worry and i've seen a few people make these comments like if they do give him something akin to a Miles Turner contract, think, oh, well, at the end of the rookie, at, at the end of his rookie extension, you know, Jaron's going to remember the Grizzlies didn't give him a rookie scale max and he uh, may go elsewhere. He may leave to go to a big market. My first response to that is that can always happen no matter what contract they give them. We, we, yeah, yeah, exactly. We've seen that over and over again. And the second thing is, are you sure? 
absolutely sure the teams are going to be knocking down the door for Jaron Jackson Jr. at the end of his rookie scale extension. I hope that's the case. I hope he's the most desired commodity in the league at the end of his rookie extension. I hope he's a legitimate superstar, but I'm not ready to say he's going to become that just yet. And you shouldn't be making decisions oriented around your future with the assumption that he's going to be that either. It doesn't mean that you don't necessarily give him the rookie scale max, but it does mean that you don't do like you suggest to me, not that you were supporting this, but you raised it as a question. Do the Grizzlies listen to Jaron Jackson Jr. when they make their choice in the 2021 NBA draft? Of course not. They don't do that. He's not earned that level of control yet. I was more thinking like John Morant than anything, but <laughs> no, that's fair. Like that, that's, that's, that's a fair question. You know, if, if you're at yeah, four yeah. and you already know that it's going to be Cunningham, Suggs, and Mobley, then you might want to be like, uh, well, then again, Josh would be like, hey, just go pick Jalen Green. But we'll yeah. we'll get into that here quickly. But uh I know we but, we had touched but, on Yeah, but back to the original point, like I think the Jaron extension is more likely. I have no idea what's going to happen with Justice Winslow whatsoever. I think it's kind of worrying that his status at the very least has not been upgraded. Based off Clyman's comments, it seemed to me that he would have been playing by this point if you go back to his comments from a month ago. Now, granted comments out of context from an executive who's not on the training staff, who's not on the coaching staff a couple weeks before the season begins. You can take that for what it's worth, but I already am a little bit pessimistic about what he's going to look like after dealing with all these multitude of injuries. And I think it's worrying that he hasn't come back at this point. It doesn't seem to be extremely close based off everything that we've said. So with that in mind, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but I do think a Jaron extension is more likely. Right, right. And one, one thing I do want to get into too, before, you know, the, the exciting part we had kind of, now grazed over the drafts a little bit is we had talked about internal development. That's something that I, I didn't really want to go too much in detail on it because if I did, then Joe Mullinax would have been editing a 3000 word piece instead of a 2000 one. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, we, obviously you, you kind of mentioned like John, Jaron and Brandon Clark a little bit, but um, whether it's in, any of those guys or the role players, whose internal development are you going to monitor the closest in 2021? Jaron is the easy answer. I've already talked about it, but I think I have to stick with that. It all rides on him. I really can't state that enough. You know what you're getting from John. Morant, he's this hopefully transcendent point guard, a generational superstar that you're going to have under contract for the next five years at the very least. Um, Internal, there's a lot of talk about the Grizzlies adding a third star, but Jaron has to come into his own as a second star on a consistent basis in order for them to truly be able to say, okay, we really need to find this third star in order for us to take the bona fide leap into a true title contender. If Jaron doesn't become that, then it alters the trajectory of what this team is going to look like over the next three or four years. It doesn't mean that they uh, can't necessarily not still get there, but it does. It will mean that the Grizzlies will have to exercise some extra creativity along the way to be able to get there. Right, right. I feel that I, I'm going to go the role player route, and I want to go D'Anthony Melton. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Because they just gave him that. That new deal about, I think it's like four years, about $32 million. And obviously, Dylan, his extension started this this season. 
it's going to be around three and 33. And you, you're already seeing the strides that he's making in his game, particularly as a playmaker. And let's be real, Dylan, his percentages and his shots and his game as a whole, it's going to look a lot better when he's sharing the floor with John, Jaron Jackson Jr. He's just having to do way too much right now. I mean, you have the progress from Dylan and you also have Desmond Bain showing you what he's showing you, providing real value as a floor spacer. He's already the best shooter on the team right now. And while Jaron's out, it's not even close that he's the best. So the thing with DeAnthony Melton is he's just going to have to try to find his way into, you know, staying a major player in that rotation. I know that's something that you've stressed over on GBB and on the core four over the past several months when we've been kind of gauging his value and looking at his uh, season going forward. The question I raised in my article is I said, what happens to DeAnthony Melton if he becomes a 32 to 35% three-point shooter on an okay volume, like three shots a game? Does he enter like close to that Marcus Smart territory? Because, I mean, the impact doesn't lie. The Grizzlies, their season turned around when they replaced De'Ant- they replaced Marco Kuderich with DeAnthony Melton. And his metrics and stuff, it looks amazing. But as the Grizzlies keep adding talent, particularly on the wing, what's going to happen to DeAnthony Melton if, Michael, you stress over plenty of times, if he doesn't add much to his offensive game? You know what's a random thought I had the other day? We always talk about, you know, what if DeAnthony Melton becomes even an average jump shooter, an above average jump shooter on decent volume? Uh, what kind of impact could he have for the Grizzlies if he does that? The truth of the matter is we've already seen that. He shot between 32 and 35% for three for a majority of last year, and then he was so comically terrible in the bubble that it came crashing back down to about 29 30% from three. He was not terrible shooting the basketball for most of last year, and then he came crashing back down. He came crashing back down to the mean so hard he almost killed the ghost of the dinosaurs. Like it was that bad. Um, and obviously, I, I don't really know what to take out of his bubble performance. Nothing significant, that's for sure. He averaged two points on twenty nine percent shooting. I mean, my lord, I don't think he will ever have an eight game stretch that terrible. Maybe in his NBA career again, Kelly Oubre may say otherwise. Who has shot was shooting. Five percent from three over six games or five this yeah. year. But, um, I, I've gotten to a point. The more and more I think about it, when I was probably being a little too polarizing, a little too extreme in my assessment, when I said, you know, Melton could fall out of the league in three or four years if he doesn't become a better and more complete offensive player, because he was already a very impactful player last year without being an incredibly well-rounded offensive basketball player. He was not a good enough playmaker to be even a primary playmaker in the bench lineup. Um, His shooting was decent for most of the year, and then Orlando happened. Um, But even if his shooting never gets to even a Marcus Smart level, now Marcus Smart has turned into a pretty good three-point shooter, but he is a horribly inefficient shooter as a whole. He shot 30, I I believe he shot 36% from the field last year, if my memory serves me correctly, which he shot 34% from three and like 36% from the field. And yet he was still able to have an incredible impact for the Celtics, even while being that 
comically inefficient. So Melton doesn't have to become a starting caliber scorer or even a starting caliber shooter because his impact in the other areas of the game speaks for itself. You only have to take a uh, cursory look at the analytics to be able to see that. He led the Grizzlies in plus minus last year. He was at oftentimes the most impactful player on the court. Do I think he'll be that impactful to that degree this year and even going forward? No, I don't think he will. I think he was able to take some people by surprise with his skill set, but he's going to have a role going forward. Now, if he does take a leap offensively, then that's a great complimentary piece, an even greater one than you already have going forward. But even if he doesn't take that big of a leap, he will still be a solid role player for years to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just it's going to be very interesting just because you, you're looking at the depth chart as it stands right now and even going forward. They're pretty solidified when it comes to big men, especially – uh, at the prospect level, you have Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman, whatever Jonte Porter and Killian Tilly end up becoming once they return from injury. And then you also point guard. I don't. I, I think you need a third point guard, but I think with the guys that you have with John and Tyus, it needs to be a veteran. But uh, the wing rotation and like finding that starting two yard or that starting three to kind of round everything out is going to be very important. And you might see that as the focal points of future drafts, future free agencies until, you know, the Grizzlies are, you know, out of, out of lottery slash mid first round area. So that that's kind of why I'm like, huh, I wonder uh, what's going to be happening with D'Anthony Milton because I mean, that Desmond Payne's rising up quick <laughs> Dylan Brooks has shown that he's actually willing to grow. So I've already, I've already got a season preview for 2021, 2022 for Desmond Bain. And you know what I want to see him do in his second year? Let's see if we match here. I want to see him shoot eight threes a game. I want to see him solidify himself as the best shooter from the wing position in franchise history in his second year. Over Mike Miller. I, if he takes eight attempts a game and is shooting 40-plus percent from three, I think he takes that title from Mike. That's fair, but um, yeah, yeah. So that's what I want to see from right now. He's still kind of developing his feel for the game, and he's not super comfortable taking more than um, three to five shots from beyond the arc of game. But once he finds his stride, um, sky's the limit for him as far as shooting the basketball is concerned. And he's a lot more than just a shooter. Absolutely. And so we're close to wrapping up the show here. Obviously, everyone's probably favorite part of looking forward to twenty twenty one. It's not really just on the court. It's the 2021 NBA draft. The injuries to John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., as well as a plethora of role players, including Justice Winslow and D'Anthony Melton and John Conchar. It's drawn some people to talk about the draft a little bit. Just a little bit, not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And I do want to raise this question to you is, you know, everyone, like, honestly, I don't even want to include – Kay Cunningham, Evan Mobley, or Jalen Suggs, because if any of those guys are on the board when the Grizzlies are picking, it should the clock shouldn't be running long. You should no, make that no. pick pretty quickly. In fact, if they got the number one pick, you just go ahead and tell Adam Silver, hey, start the draft at two. We're getting Kay Cunningham. Yeah, and for anybody out there who says, well, I think Jalen Green is a better fit next to John Morant than Cade Cunningham, let me tell you this. 
Um, if Cade, Cumming, uh, Cade Cunningham becomes a member of the Memphis Grizzlies, Jaron Jackson will not be the second star for the Memphis Grizzlies. Cade Cunningham will be. That is a dynasty in the making if you put him next to John Morant. It would be one of the best passing backcourts in NBA history. I said NBA there history. There it is. Yeah, yeah. There right from the jump. And that's no hyperbole when I say that. I can't even name a better passing backcourt duo off the top of my head than those two. Um you would be set. You could be a potential dynasty in the making if you put mm-hmm. Kate Cunningham next to John Moran. Absolutely. But um, I, for one, told you this back this past Saturday, and I still feel this way even after the Grizzlies have won a game since then. The Grizzlies take it for what it's worth or last in the Western Conference at two and five. But I think there's a better chance than not as of today that Jalen Green will be a member of the Memphis Grizzlies going into next season. So that, that's your I, guy that you want everyone that, to watch closely? That's my guy. I want to watch him closely. Uh, you and I have been on his tail for over a year now. He's been mm-hmm. our dream scenario, dream scenario for over a year now. Um, he's He is a perfect fit next to John Morant. He's an explosive three-level scorer. His athleticism has drawn parallels to Kobe Bryant. You get compared to Kobe Bryant in this day and age, you have to be the real deal. Doesn't mean he'll become anywhere near that caliber of a player, but that's the type of archetype he possesses. Um, John Morant has a close relationship with him. They've developed a friendship over the last couple of years, and Jalen has even said on Instagram, and I quote, that would be tough Mm-hmm. <laughs> the prospect of becoming a member of the Memphis Grizzlies. As it stands right now, he's probably not going into top three. It'll be Cade, Mobley, and Suggs probably being your top three picks as it stands right now. That's subject to change, but if the Grizzlies pick in the five to seven range, he's the, he's per, he fits perfectly what they need. He'll probably be available. He has a close relationship with John Morant. It'll happen if he's there. Yeah. I want to trend a little differently that might piss off a certain sector of our listeners. I want to keep an eye on the Tennessee guys, whether it's Keon Johnson or Jaden Springer. I the I've talked to you about this, and you're gonna you mentioned oh, but production people are gonna be scared about that. You know who else wasn't a production guy in college? Jaron Jackson Jr. And look, and and that's why I was low on Jaron Jackson Jr. And he showed me that you don't have to be an incredibly impactful freshman to become a very solid NBA player. Mm-hmm. I, I just like what the size that they have from the guard position at 6'5". Uh, they can initiate the offense whenever, but they can play off the jaw. I think the thing with both of them will end up being shooting. And I think from what I read from Jonathan Wasserman from Bleacher Report is Jaden Springer is pretty good at pull-up shooting. And obviously that's a – trademark skill for a permanent player in today's league. So I just want to keep an eye on those guys. Also, I know that uh, NBA draft Twitter loves the Tennessee guys. So I'm just, I'm just <laughs> trying, to, we know he is. <laughs> I'm trying to think like them a little bit because we've seen Kleiman's done that. But uh, yeah. Nate, I do want to close this show with this. Probably uh, one of your favorite things to do on the podcast, and that's give hot takes. So give me your 2021 hot take that you kind of believe. <sighs> kind of believe. Mm-hmm. The Memphis Grizzlies are going to enter next season, and I tweeted this back this past Saturday. They're going to enter next season with Ja Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., Jalen Green, DeMar DeRozan, and Jaden Springer. 
<laughs> oh yeah, because oh yeah, that Utah. And, and I believe the Utah Jazz are going to suffer some unfortunate luck, and they are going to slip into the play-in round. They are going to lose once they get there and fall into the lottery. And the Grizzlies will take their lottery pick and draft either Keon Johnson or Jaden Springer to add to Jalen Green and also add to the acquisition of Demar Derozan in the 2021 offseason. I'm speaking it into existence. Okay, I like that. I like that. I want to go. I'm going to spit spitball here. My hot take that uh, that I kind of believe. So I think you'll see some legitimate traits of heating up, particularly in the same market, Zach Levine and Buddy Yield. I think you'll start seeing that come to fruition a little bit. You know, I saw this earlier today. You know what Buddy Yield's per is right now? I don't know. Nine. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he, he is. I don't mean to sound like an analytic nerd, but he is, is struggling to impact the game beyond his shooting right now for sure. But um, I think our friend Sane made this point last week, or may, maybe it was Fast Break Breakfast. is one of the two of them, but he was making the point that one of these players is considered as a defensive sieve and the other one's this incredible scorer who impacts winning. And for the most part, Bradley Beal and Zach Levine have identical per 36 production. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Bradley Beal is considered this gem of a cornerstone if you could possibly possess him, but the Bulls suck. And there's a very real chance that Zach Levine is going to become available. And if it takes Brandon Clark to do it, you do it. It's as simple as that. Uh, <laughs> I know there may be some pushback on that, but you do what you have to do to find explosive wing scoring in the modern NBA. Absolutely, for sure. So that's about all the time we have. Nate, do you have any um, final remarks or do you want to let the people know where you can find it? Look, if the Grizzlies end up drafting Jaden Springer and John Johnson, I'm really not interested in hearing the, but he's from UT. I, I just, I'm just not interested in hearing that. So let's go ahead and get that out of your system now. Should the time come around with the Grizzlies are considering them? Ah, that's all I got. Yeah. All I'm going to say is I wish for good vibes in 2021. So, Nate, let the people know where they can find you. But anyway, you can find me on Twitter at NathanChester24, and you can find all my Grizzlies related content at grizzlybearblues.com. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Make sure you are liking, subscribing, downloading to the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network so you listen to every episode of the Core 4 GBB Live. The 3ND Podcast and the Starting Five Podcast. And they have the honors. That's all, folks. (laughs) 